Yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't a great feeling uh, last game, but... Um... <laughs> uh, what was the question? <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Arto Ocal here with you every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts, as well as the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Wish, do you subscribe to the saying, whoever smelt it, dealt it? <laughs> I mean, in certain cases, yes. In other cases, no. And in certain cases, you're just around and there's a gas explosion, much like you heard <laughs> off the top as Tampa Bay Lightning goalie Andre Vasilevsky had an explosive interview after their win over the Dallas Stars as the intense questioning from the media was interrupted by an unexpected toot. How could this happen, Arda? Good question. Uh, former Lightning defenseman and current flatulence detective Raiden Coburn actually got to the bottom of this on WDAE radio in Tampa, revealing that it was lightning forward Austin Watson who went from being the lightning to the thunder in the Tampa Bay locker room. Uh, but it was Coburn's comments about John Cooper that really got our attention here on the drop. And then it kind of spurred this whole conversation about guys farting on the bench and like how rude that was and cooch was just like that is just so rude guys should never do that it's disgusting <laughs> and and who said that sorry cooch, cooch. Oh. cooch. that's a debate i never would we've thought about it we've talked about many things over the 10 years on this show whatever we've been together we have never thought about does a conversation happen over whether it's couth or uncouth to fart on the bench in hockey or anywhere for that matter it, it gets better because uh john cooper kind of interjects himself into the conversation. He walks up while we're having this talk, and he's like, you guys don't realize how many we're standing behind you guys, how many farts we're, we're like chewing on from you guys, and some of them are just absolutely disgusting. Munching points, munching farts. Oh. So when they get around to voting for the Jack Adams Award, I think they should keep this in mind, the hazard pay that coaches should get for being behind the players on the bench. Is this anything you've ever even considered before, Arda? I have smelt a thing or two in a scrum. <laughs> but usually they're silent but deadly. Usually we don't hear it coming. Usually there's no warning. Uh, very rare that you would hear an audible. Uh, yeah. So this one was uh, this one was unique. The only thing I'd like to, by the way, this was your like Super Bowl, your WrestleMania. By the way, like congratulations. Listen, this I, is this my, is the greatest monologue I think I've ever heard from one you. One of the first things my father ever <laughs> showed me as a child was the scene in Blazing Saddles after they eat the beans. So this has been yes. a part of my life. This has been a part of my education <laughs> for for years, decades, even Arda. See, I, I, the only thing that I would like to contribute to this is I was secretly hoping that we could call him Andre Flachilevsky, but <laughs> we can't anymore because it's been solved. So, unfortunately, I guess fortunately for him, uh, Austin Watson is the one. Yeah, I like Austin that. Bring, brought the thunder. I like that. Yeah, brought the thunder. Uh, how do I segue from flatulence to the board of governors meetings? Wish how Quite do I do easily, this? buddy? Quite easily, I think. <laughs> uh, the NHL board of governors uh, meeting finished up in Seattle this week. Uh, I don't. Uh, sources say there may have been a couple of toots in the in the uh, 
a lot of hot air, a yeah. lot of stinky stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it 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 did produce three bits of news. So the three things, uh, the three major things that came out of them. Next year's salary cap will increase to $87.7 million. That's an increase of $4.2 million. Uh, that, we haven't seen that kind of increase since the 2021 season. So uh, the current salary cap, of course, is $83.5 million. Yeah, uh, good, what do we make, what do we mean, make of that jump? It's not good news for like player movement in the summer. Like We're going to definitely see more teams retaining talent, but that's good news for the on-ice product. I mean, I... I, I, I I know it's good for us to have players have to be shaved off because of salary cap considerations, but I also like really good competitive teams uh, that we can watch in the following season. So a little bit more cap space, a little bit more room to play with, and some of these general managers are going to be able to uh, make the moves they couldn't make in the previous few seasons and stop crying about having their hands tied by a flat cap. The NHL draft will most likely be held inside the sphere Yes. In Las Vegas. Now, I'm a Sphere fan. I just yes. want to be, I'm a Sphere stan, actually. I love the outside. I love the inside. I am looking forward to uh, the, the what the NHL will do inside. Um, I, I also cover UFC. I look forward to, like Dana White has talked a lot about, I'm going to put on the greatest combat sports event. We booked it already for the 2024. It's going to be the greatest combat sports event anyone's ever seen. And I believe him. I think it's going to be rad. I wonder how the NHL draft will be souped up uh, to, I guess, match the magnificence of the sphere. But I'm happy that the NHL is doing an event in there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, look, I I, I am curious about it, too. And, and I think that ultimately the, dra the draft is really good for like seven or eight picks. Right. And then once you get down to like 25 Maybe having it in the sphere will make it more interesting when the Dallas Stars take like a left wing from Oshawa. <laughs> like maybe you need it in the sphere to really kind of give it a little bit of juice, a little bit of mustard on the hot dog, if you will. And and that's what's exciting for me is maybe the event overall becomes a little bit more exciting. Now, that being said, why we're at the draft is also to see trades being made. So I do look forward, Arda, to that moment where like Ken Holland is talking to, you know, Rob Blake. And they're blown up to skyscraper size <laughs> inside the sphere. What excitement it'll be to see two old guys talking to each other about a trade that would probably won't happen for a few weeks. But sure, why not? It's the last time we're doing this. We might as well blow it out in Vegas uh, and have a good time before we all disperse to our uh, you know bunch of other cities to go do the draft remotely from this point on. Hey, in, in future years, no one's stopping Vegas from just going to the sphere and making that their headquarters. So yeah, like it exactly. could still be could still be a part of it. Who knows? And they're uh, and and I should say that like even though we're going to do the remote draft thing, we're still going to have like an event. You know, one of the things that was sort of bandied about during the summer was the idea of if they did this sort of uh, remote draft room thing like they do in the NFL, that the top picks in the draft would like go to Disneyland and we'd do an event there, and like there'll still be a thing that happens with the players. It just won't be all of the teams at their little tables or their little rotary phones and stuff anymore yeah. nhl commissioner gary bettman said negotiations continue with the ioc and iihf about the 2026 olympics in italy he said his biggest concern is that there hasn't been any construction of a hockey arena yet what do we make of that all right please please tell me hmm. that this is gary bettman posturing so they can pick up the pace on arena construction please tell me 
This is Gary Bettman posturing so the NHL can squeeze some additional insurance coverage money from the IOC or maybe even create a better negotiating standpoint by hinting they might not go because of this issue. Please do not tell me that we're worried about the arena ice and boards is what they landed on for reasons to wiggle out of our collective bargaining agreement negotiated vow to send players to the Olympics. You sent them to Sochi. I was in Sochi. They didn't even finish construction in Sochi. You play hockey games in baseball stadiums. You played one in a tennis stadium in Australia that exists for like three weeks before you play a game there. So the idea that you need like eight weeks before uh, the arena is finished to like test the boards, I'm not buying it. And here's the thing. The IOC stinks. The NHL should get so much more for sending their players to the Olympics, be it marketing rights, be it the ability to sell, you know, branded T-shirts in the NHL store, to have their logos on the ice play uh, somewhere or on the players somewhere. The NHL gets screwed by the IOC every time we do this, no doubt. But do you think, Arda, that there's a chance in the world that the Canadian and the American women won't go if the arena construction isn't done on their timeline, of course they're going. This thing makes me mental, obviously, that they're floating this idea right now. I'm hoping it's just posturing and negotiating because otherwise, man, if we're really doing this dance again where we're, we're, we vow to go to the Olympics and then don't go for reasons, I mean, it really, it's just going to be the most frustrating thing for players and fans again. Yeah, I think the players are just going no matter what. Like no matter where where we are in any sort of conversation, they're just going to hop on a plane and they're going to delete. And, and I want to reiterate, I am saying this because the U.S. is going to win gold. Okay, that's I, I, I normally it. I like to see best on best tournaments. I especially like to see them when the U.S. is going to win. Austin uh, Matthews, all the Hugheses, all the Kachucks, four goalies deep. This is the time we're going to win gold. We have to go to Italy. Now you know what? Wait a minute. I agree. There is no arena. You know what? We're going to have to wait. Let's wait till 2040. Okay. Um, in the not. meantime, no. in the meantime, Canada developed the goalie pipeline a little bit. And yeah. you know what? We can't, it's not street hockey, dude. All right. We're not going to I Italy know. just to. Yeah, I know. And, <laughs> the and more, by then, the you, more know, you uh, talk about how good America is, the more I realize this is a great idea. Let's skip this Olympics. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause your goalie <laughs> is six years old now and, and eventually he'll be old enough to be as good as Demko or Hellebuck or Swayman or, or, uh, or Ottinger. Uh, uh, again, I, I have, I talked to Pat Kelleher, executive director of the USA hockey. I am authorized once again to offer one of our goalies for Connor McDavid. If, if you guys want to make that trade, let me know. I can broker it. This is going to go on for years to come, and I am not looking forward to it. Uh, something I am looking forward to for years to come, hopefully, is the gritty celebration after overtime goals, or even in general, or even celebrations in hockey. And a big fan of that is Jake Wallman, and he joins us now on The Drop. Awesome to be joined here on ESPN's The Drop with Jake Wallman, who once again set hockey social media ablaze with another fantastic gritty celebration, another overtime winner, second career overtime game winner with the Detroit Red Wings. He's joining us now to talk all about it and more. Jake, uh, I love to see it. The fans love to see it. Uh, once again, I and, and, and I, I want to talk details on this because 
it seems like you've in, improved the gritty since last time. I'd love to know. I'd love to start here. How much time did you think about the first gritty, watching tape, digesting it, picking it apart, adding, tweaking? How much did you think about this between the first celebration and the second one? Yeah, I mean, um, I guess I thought about it a little bit. I uh, I got it from the NFL, the guys that were dancing after those touchdowns. And um, I'm a huge sports guy. I watch all that stuff all the time. So when I see somebody with a cool celebration and the reaction that they get, I kind of want to try and implement that if I could in hockey. And um, I got the opportunity last year in uh, Pitt. I think that was a pretty good reason to do it we came back from that four goal deficit so um yeah i mean uh my friends all loved it my family loved it and and guys that i've played with all reached out and obviously uh had some pointers on on what i should do next time so <laughs> i guess i kind of tried to add to it and um i had a lot of time to think about it after that one in montreal so um yeah i mean i, I always try to add to it you've gotten this question a lot from fans what's the trick to doing the gritty on skates yeah, it's uh, it's a little different. I'm I'm doing it off the ice all the time um, in the room here, like when a song comes on or something like that. So uh, I haven't I didn't really practice it uh, on skates. It kind of just flowed, and I don't know. I guess I got the rhythm down off the ice, so it transitioned pretty well. The Detroit Red Wings marketing team has been crushing it this year, like with the merchandise. Shout out to Ben Broder and his team. Uh, you had the gravy boat Zamboni. Uh, that we saw on social and now maybe my favorite piece of merch I've ever seen definitely my favorite bobblehead Jake the Jake Wallman gritty bobblehead uh, what was your reaction when you saw this yeah I was uh, I mean I was pretty excited to even get a bobblehead night I, I was uh, fortunate that they told me that earlier in the year I was going to have a, a night with a bobblehead and then I hadn't seen it and um, my first bobblehead I ever had was a Doug Gilmore one. So I was already fired up. I still have it in my nice. room. Oh, wow. So to be able to have the opportunity to have my own is going to be cool. And then I saw the the way that the arms were moving and the, they made it look like it was gritty. It's, it's actually pretty unreal how they did that. I, I'm not sure if there's a bobblehead out there that's like that. Um, it's pretty unique. And hopefully they, they print a lot so uh, everybody can get one. Did, did you um did you know that it would be gritty like a gritty themed bobblehead or did you know you were just getting a bobblehead? Um, I knew that there was some sort of theme to it in, at media day at the beginning of the year because they only had like a a uh, a first printout rough draft of it and the arms were kind of going on, so I had something I had so, I, I I guess they figured something out with the gritty but. Uh, the way that they they put it all together right now, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's pretty unique. Yeah, you could have your bobblehead hit the gritty and then use the uh, Red Wings gravy boat to pour gravy all over your bobblehead as it hits the gritty. Pretty exciting <laughs> stuff. Uh, Arda, do am I correct that you were with a gritty expert uh, this week on oh, ESPN? Yeah, to tie a bow on this whole gritty conversation, you had a chance uh, to chat with our. ESPN colleague now, P.K. Subban. Great interview. Go check it out on P.K. socials. The one thing he did not mention, Jake, was when you hit that first gritty, I was in studio with him, and he actually hit a gritty of his own in honor of your gritty. And we figured it would be appropriate to show you P.K.'s gritty so that you could judge his gritty because he's judging your gritty. 
Do it, go it, do it. Crazy gritty, Take us dude. to break with your gritty. Hey, hey, hey. He's just gritty, he's going, he's going. Hey, That's perfect. Snap. Look at this. Stop, kid. <laughs> I love it, not bad at all. All right, your reaction. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. He's got the uh, the head to the side. He's leaning. He's got the saying "a a." He's kind of going with the music. So I I mean I've seen him uh, I've seen him out a little bit. I've seen him do it. Uh, we kind of we kind of have a little laugh over it uh, when we see each other. So uh, I always appreciate PK. I love his support, and I know that gets him fired up. And uh, hopefully I can kind of get something else uh, when the time's right. Um, something else that's going viral right now in the. Uh, NFL world as of dances, so hopefully I can get something else. Oh, actually, okay, let me follow up on that. Is it just gritties, or are you thinking other celebrations? And is it only yeah, overtime I mean, winners? There's stuff out there. There's, uh, I mean, I'm like I said, I watched the NFL, so um, I just think it's so sick when they score a touchdown and they're, they they kind of got something coordinated with the guys. And <laughs> um, I don't know. There's always there's always people that are in my. Uh, uh, messages that are, are telling me to do certain things and uh, whenever I go to a school and see kids or something there's they're always uh, telling me to do certain dances so I don't know I always keep that in mind and um, I kind of I kind of do it for those those kids you know it's it's the parents that are sending me messages of their kids doing it and that's the stuff that I, I live for I do it for that reason and um, if I can inspire kids to to have fun on the ice that's that's what I'm trying to yeah. do yeah you are definitely know. inspiring kids. Like I will say that I've 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 heard countless hockey fans talk about it and absolutely love it. W one quick follow up for you: Could the possibility exist that you score a goal and the team gets involved in some sort of coordinated celebration? Like, could <laughs> we possibly see that in the future? I don't know. I uh, we got a couple old school guys on the team, so I'm not sure if they would they would get involved. But uh, I don't know. I'd have to get some of the guys that are on TikTok and get them involved that I, I kind of i don't know maybe i have to bribe them with something to to do it but that would be that would be pretty cool yeah. i don't know i think i would be down for it so we'll see we're getting dangerously close to the uh carolina hurricanes duck duck goose conspiracy uh, uh, controversy from a few years ago when they did the uh, post game celebrations by the way i think you're leaving money on the table you should you should sell the opportunity for people to buy the right to assign you a a celebration like a cameo like a uh, 500 yeah. bucks a pop from somebody to say, you do this for me. I think, I well, think, you know, I think I'm actually, be... it's good that you asked that. Cause I'm, uh, I'm actually going to use this uh, gritty opportunity as a, a way to kind of give back. And um, I'm oh. coming out, I'm coming out with some, uh, some gritty merch and, and nine, six merchandise that that'll be uh, beneficial to the boys and girls club here in Detroit and um, help a couple other charities out. So, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think uh, it'd be a waste if I didn't do something like that. So um, keep an eye out for that. It's going to be on my uh, socials. So at, at some point, we'll get that going. Good well, on you, man. That's more, great. That's much more virtuous than my uh, goal celebration only fans that I was trying to create for you right now, Jake. So that, I appreciate that. Uh, from one PK to another PK, Patrick Kane. My God, he's a Detroit Red Wing. Have you wrapped your brain around the, the fact that Patrick Kane is going to be in your locker room soon? Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's been around uh, our team now for for a week and a bit, and and man, what a what a superstar that guy is. Um, really, is showtime. He's he carries that presence with him, and um, just been able to pick his brain the last couple of days has been awesome. Seeing him on the ice, um, really excited, and uh, he's always got something positive to say, something good. It's it's going to be a good uh, fit for him, and 
and, and, and us as well. This Detroit team is zooming, man. Like the offense is on point. I had the game yesterday. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch the game. What's it about this Red Wings team that's clicking so well? I think we we just carry ourselves in a manner that um, we expect to do big things, and and um, we kind of carry ourselves in a quiet, confidence way. And um, I think from the top down, we got guys that are are buying in right now. And and uh, when we're playing our game for a full 60 minutes we're we're on and um we're positive we got a good uh leadership group um can't say enough about larks and and kind of how he's been carrying everything and it's been a a long road i think for the red wings but to get back in the picture um it's really exciting and i think uh hockey's hockey's good when the red wings are are fighting for a spot there and hopefully these games um later in the year we can play meaningful games Indeed, indeed. And finally, the uh, for me, the the most important question. Thoughts on Fortnite Chapter 5? The new season dropped. There's a train. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the new, yeah, on the new chapter? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, so I've been playing Fortnite since it first came out. I, that's the only game I've played. Haven't switched. When the Call of Duty came out, it didn't even touch that. I just stayed with Fortnite and um, huge fan of the OG Fortnite that came out this last oh, yeah. season. I wish they kept it. Uh, today is actually going to be my first day that I'm playing the the new season. So oh. I got my buddies waiting for me after practice here. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do something with streaming too. I think I think I have an opportunity also to to get my face out there on the gaming platform and maybe connect some uh, some gamers to hockey and and hockey's to gamer um, type thing. So we'll see how that works. But uh, yeah, I look forward to that too. Two quick follow-ups. Who do you play with? Who are your boys? And then who do you play as in Fortnite? Uh, so my, my two two guys that I play with, the uh, first one is Devontae Smith-Pelly. Um, nice. Family Cup champ. Yeah. He's always on. Got a lot of free time for, for me now. So uh, <laughs> him and then uh, Jordan Cairo from St. Louis. We've, ah, nice. uh, we've been boys forever. So. Yeah, that and then the second question is uh I have so many skins in the game. Like I've I probably <laughs> spent so many V Bucks they call it on skins. So um I have the randomizer on right now. So every game it kind of gives me a new skin and uh people have stuff to say about it. But uh, I think when you use the the women's skins, they're smaller, so they you don't get shot as easy. So buddy, any, you any you and I, simpatico, I play as old school catwoman from one of the Batman uh 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 lockers. Uh, and it's all black, slender, hide in the shadows. That's oh, my yeah. that's my avatar. It works perfectly. You're completely. I right. know. You got to pick the thin character. That's it. Nothing with a big head. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't play as like super tall LeBron and be like noticed through the trees or anything like that. Actually, got it. Okay. Yeah, or John Cena. Like it just that's doesn't make any plays sense. Plays with so. uh, LeBron a lot. So does he? That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I I, I want to see that stream. That would be a lot of fun to yeah, hear you guys gonna, on comms. That would be fun. I went to Best Buy, I picked up all the stuff, so uh, I just need some task rabbit to set it up for me. I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll start streaming. Sweet. Love to hear it. Uh, Jake, you've been great with your time. I look forward to the line of gritties. Like you score an overtime winner sometime in the future and a bunch of your teammates are joining you in the gritty. That's that's my holy grail wish list celebration. I, I hope we see that one day. We'll see. It depends who's on the ice with me. Some guys would do it. I don't know about some other guys, but we'll see. Jake, this has been great. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you.
<laughs> Thanks to Jake Wallman from the Detroit Red Wings. Arda, they are a contending team. The they question, are. Arda, are they a real contender or are they a fraud? What do you think? I think that they, with the addition of Patrick Kane, it boosts their uh, cachet. And I think they were already pushing to contender status, at least to make the playoffs. And now it's even better. What do you think? Well, what I think doesn't matter because I decided <laughs> to ask one of the smartest people I know, Rachel Dory, a NHL and hockey data analyst, her opinion about not only the Red Wings, but other teams as we play favorite or fraud. And we have a ton of other really interesting topics to touch on in my conversation with Rachel. All right, joining us now is Rachel Dory, who is a data analyst for multiple NHL teams, co-hosts the Staff and Graph podcast, and she's working on a predictive learning model for sports statistics, which we'll learn about more in a moment. But first, Rachel, I understand the Pittsburgh Penguins have caught your eye. They're just over 500. They're struggling to find consistency. What have you seen from the Penguins? And do the fans in Pittsburgh have something to look forward to this season? Honestly, I think the Penguins, I, I have the Penguins and the Oilers in the same bucket. And the Penguins are like an excellent five on five team. Offensively, they're one of the top teams in the league. Defensively, they're top five and they're not giving up a ton. Tristan Jari has really sort of come along this season and that risk by Dubas doesn't look as bad as it did this summer. For unexplainable reasons, though, with four slam dunk Hall of Famers on their power play, it's been horrendous. And if that power play could just be average, like 20th in the National Hockey League, not 10 top five where it really should be, the Pittsburgh Penguins are a wagon. Like, I call them a sleeping giant. Wow. Because every, like, every other facet of their game is really positive. And so... You look at it and you say, okay, five on five play. Like, that's where you want to be good. And that's where the Penguins are good. Their power play is killing them. It's almost a net negative. And you can't have that when you have four Hall of Famers on your power play. It's truly like the world's been turned upside down when you look at the, st the, the standings and the statistics. And it's like the Penguins and Capitals have like two of the worst power plays in the league. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it shouldn't be that way. It's an, an unnatural thing to see in the NHL. Um, a natural thing in the NHL is when coaches get fired, uh, especially when teams have no salary cap space and we should do anything else like the Minnesota Wild. Out goes Dean Evison. In comes John Hines, who you know well from your time with the New Jersey Devils. And lo and behold, the Wild turn it around. They're on a roll. They're a wagon now in Minnesota. Rachel, you know Hines pretty well. What do you like about that fit? Yeah, so I think when you look at John Hines, the one thing that he excels at compared to some other coaches I've worked with is his preparation and his details. So you look at how Hines prepares for games. There are pregame reports. He has his goalie coach do a full write-up on, like, from a goalie scouting perspective. There are different meetings. He's just... He's very detailed in how he approaches things. So when you're speaking to players, it comes off like this guy's really prepared. He's not a field coach. That's not his strength. And if you look at it notoriously, he has gotten more out of teams that have less talent. So he kind of makes them a greater than the sum of their parts type team. You look at that Devils team that went on the playoff run. Taylor Hall hasn't had a season like that since. Mm -hmm. And Nico Heischer looked excellent. That was his rookie year. Will Butcher 
is not even in the National Hockey League anymore. And he was in the Calder conversation at one point. And so with John, I think you're in a situation where you mentioned with Minnesota, they don't have salary cap space with which to work with. And so this is a scenario where they need a coach who can get more out of a less talented roster. The difference here is he's got Kirill Kaprizov. He's got Matt Boldy. Brock Faber has been absolutely fantastic. So he's got a little bit more to work with. But in terms of the fit, I think I really like the fact that he's able to kind of extract more out of players. And I think you've kind of seen that with Minnesota, whether it's with the details and the stops and the starts in the defensive zone, the penalty kill. I think he's been able to have sort of a positive impact. It also helps that his goalies have started participating in games. Yeah. I want to shout out Mike Russo's story for the athletic when he talked to Dean Evison, who was fired by Minnesota, because I've always wondered about coaches when they, you know, start watching the games after they've been canned and all of a sudden the team starts doing everything they weren't doing for you, for the other guy. Like they can kill penalties. They can stop pucks. What the hell is happening here? Why couldn't you do it when I was there? It's a pretty good story. It gets a little bit into that from Evison. I, I really enjoyed it. All right, let's play a little bit of favorite or fraud. I'm going to name a contending team and you're going to tell us if the data points to them being a favorite for the Stanley Cup and for playoff contention or if they are a complete and total fraud. Let's begin with the Detroit Red Wings, the surging darlings of the Atlantic Division. Uh, the data says fraud. It doesn't. Oh, no. Yeah, it does. I, do, I don't like that either. Now, we're not really sure about the Patrick Kane impact here, but compared to some other teams, um, that we may or may not talk about, they're considered a fraud. They're, they're sort of team defense and they're scoring. Like you look at Alex DeBrincat, he's regressed a little bit. So yeah, uh, they're a fraud. Oh no. What about your beloved Toronto Maple Leafs? Are they a favorite or a fraud this year? <laughs> With a healthy defense, they're a favorite. With no defense at all, they're a fraud. And that's <laughs> concerning. I mean, you look at the regulation wins, that's a problem. They can't seem to play a 60-minute game. There's nobody on the back end. Um, up front, there's still the giant that they are, and they're a favorite on that. But without sort of a, a significant move on defense, they are a fraud this year. Yeah, it, fun, funny how they need help on defense, and then all of a sudden, there's like 7,000 defensemen all in the rumor mill at the same time. wonder how that, that happens. That um, never, yeah, that there's there's no correlation there. I'm no sure. correlation whatsoever, right? Uh, Los Angeles Kings over in the Pacific Division. Uh, they look pretty darn good, and they certainly look really good on the road uh, being undefeated this year. What about the Los Angeles Kings? Favorite or fraud? They're a favorite. They are my dark horse pick for the Stanley Cup. Um, I actually laid some money on them last week. That's how confident I am in in them being a legitimate contender. I would not want to face a three-headed monster of Kopitar, Dubois, and Deneau in the playoffs. That is not only unenjoyable to play against, but you've got two two way forwards there that are capable of not only scoring, but completely mitigating any offense. And so you look at that, that's going to be difficult over a seven-game stretch no matter what. The Vegas model. They also have a three-headed monster of Cam Talbot, Phoenix Copley, and uh, David Riddick that probably needs a little bit more scrutiny, but they can fix that at the deadline. Yeah. If they want to. <laughs> uh, finally, our beloved Arizona Coyotes, a team that is punching above its weight. The mullet, the mullet magic in full effect this year as the Coyotes press for a playoff spot. Are they a favorite or are they a fraud, Rachel? I think we probably know where I'm going with this one. The Arizona Coyotes, much like their hockey rink, is a fraud. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> that is, I mean, it's as simple as that. Did have they beaten the last five cup champions? Yes, they definitely have. Are they capable of playing on the road? No, they absolutely aren't. And Logan Cooley, just like all rookies that we've seen in the research, and I've looked at this in my kind of academic research, rookies hit a wall. And it's especially college hockey players because they aren't used to playing 82 games. I expect that for Logan Cooley. Arizona really hasn't faced a ton of injuries yet. And so you look at this and not only are they getting super lucky and their their shooting percentage and, and goals saved above expected is incredible, but they can't play on the road and they've got no injuries or any wall hitting yet. They're a fraud. Just like the voters said no to the Tempe Arena, Rachel Dory says no to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, what is the most fascinating or interesting stat that you've come across in your research this year about the NHL? Ooh, okay. So there's a hypothetical stat that I was playing around with when Jay Woodcroft lost his job. Mm. And so UC Soros isn't having a UC Soros-like year. No. He's got a 900 save percentage. But I said, okay, if I take UC Soros, who is very average right now, is not like Sorokin, who's got like a 912 or 918, something like that. And I input his exact stat line under Stuart Skinner's name this season. <laughs> I just input his stats manually. The Edmonton Oilers have seven and a half more points. <laughs> like, I'm, and then I took it one step further. If I put Thatcher Demko's stats in to Stuart Skinner's, the Edmonton Oilers are tied with the Los Angeles Kings. Wow. That's wow. how good their underlying numbers are outside of the net. And their goaltending is just absolutely not participating this season and that's sort of a problem i i really hope you didn't send that to jay woodcroft that man would would openly weep i think if he saw <laughs> that projection I, yeah so that's i feel like that's the most interesting thing to me is just how impactful the goaltending has been with this specific team because usually what we've seen with edmonton is we know they're capable of scoring we've seen that mm -hmm. but defensively there have been a lot of concerns and this year even under Jay Woodcroft, they've seemed to have kind of rectified a lot of those concerns and they're actually pretty good defensively, but Stuart Skinner cannot, and Jack Campbell too, cannot stop, let alone a pocky puck, like a dodgeball at this point. And <laughs> I don't even know what you can say. Like, how do you look your teammates in the face when they're performing at the clip they are and have anything to say? Yeah, indeed. Finally, um, you have a friend named Kevin who I've become quite fond of on NFL Sundays. It's your predictive learning model. Name of Kevin uh, has produced some great results in the sports wagering space already. What can you tell us about it and how could it, it, it impact how we consume hockey statistics? Yeah, so Kevin is so a couple of not even a couple, about a half a year ago, I really dove into learning artificial intelligence and so there's a new type of model you can build. It's called a neural network learning model. Neural network is, you'll notice, the brain. Um, that's where it comes from. So I've effectively turned my model into a brain type of situation. So it, as it takes in information, it reroutes the networks and it learns. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the hockey model for player props that have an 80% or higher percentage of hitting it's clicking at 96% this year, which wow. has gotten a lot of sportsbooks really mad at me <laughs> because <laughs> I keep taking them. 
<laughs> but when you look at how you can use this going forward, if you can understand and ingest real-time data to make evaluations, that's going to give you a leg up on models that don't. And to my knowledge, there aren't neural network models in the gambling space, which is probably why mine is performing at the level that it is. But what I'm building is a player valuation salary model. And so mm. it will help you understand where the value is and isn't in your lineup and mm. what certain players could be worth going forward based on their most recent past performances, which are obviously going to be more predictive than what they did last year. Wow. Awesome. Um, also, I believe how Skynet started, but awesome nonetheless. Where can people find <laughs> this model so they can check it out for themselves? Yeah. So the model, I haven't made it public yet, but I've been posting like little tidbits. It's going to be up on a sports vertical with Cryer Media when okay. it's ready. It is also going to be a web application. So I'm hoping to have some iOS, Android type of thing so that you can actually scroll through and, and view it on your phone. There's going to be an analysis component similar to kind of what Michael McCurdy and the Evolving Hockey Twins have. There's also going to be a betting component to it. Brilliant. Rachel, you're brilliant. Thank you for sharing some of that brilliance with our audience on The Drop. Big thanks to Rachel for joining us here on The Drop as well as Jake Wallman. This was a fun, action-packed episode. Uh, if we were in the same room, wish we would uh, gritty a goodbye. But uh, unfortunately... That's that was the worst gritty in the history. I don't even. What I'm are you sit, doing? I'm sitting, I'm sitting down. You can't gritty while sitting down. Everyone knows that. This is the worst gritty I think we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that does it for us here on the drop. Uh, remember, every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts in HL and ESPN YouTube. Uh, thank you for listening. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the games. We will catch you on Tuesday. Bye.